the the reset uh, phase that, that we touched upon previously um, is all around the the reset, record, reform, and recovery situation that um, we've not only heard sort of within um, local authorities, the wider public sector, but also um, within the top team at the minute. Um, and we're now looking forward to what is that new normal. Um, and it's just um, ensuring that reset, reform and recover mindset um, is, is in place to, to then help aid in better outcomes for local authorities, the healthcare and wider public sector. Have you seen Have you seen this pandemic affect the priorities of citizens, their, their expectations and fundamental behaviours? To, to show, I think, community collaboration has been, has been key. Um, and and there's been of huge importance. Um, I think that it's definitely raised the a response from the citizens around the expectations that they now need to see. So more services are going to be available online. There's going to be a better quality of interaction um, and a more cooperative way um, and moving forward in understanding, I think. Um, and I think for the, around the... The fundamental behaviours. I think there's a concern of for the for the health um, when, and well-being. Obviously, that's still uh, paramount uh, at this moment in time. Um, but obviously, the the positive around there is that there's not no necessarily um, huge need for that daily commute at the minute, um, and, and we've seen it already um, and, and heard in the news that the pollution levels are coming down. So you know, there's a better air quality. A better, that, that better quality um, moving forward. Um, and I think that's going to then um, help evolve their priorities. There's going to be a huge community spirit, that's for sure. I think the community collaboration is going to increase. Um, and there's hopefully a, a more respect for the living in, living spaces and, and just generally the, the environment. Um, you know, we've, again, we've heard a lot around the the green space. So, um, you know, the value of this is, is going to be, is going to be good. Yeah. And I guess a, a spin-off question on that a little bit as well is what you touched on there at the beginning was around the use of digital services. When, when all of this started, uh, you know, kicking off and people originally had to work from home, um, some of the services that people rely on became only available online. Do you think there's a there's a case where people were forced to almost move channel? They they channel shifted because of necessity. Yeah, I think I think there's a there's a definite a definite feel that the way in which you know that we went into into lockdown and and then um, from that uh, you know the majority um, were able to then work from home. You know, you've got to also understand that not everybody is is technology savvy, so. Um, you know that that being suddenly going down from the you could just go out all the time and, and go walk in and, and do what you need to do um, to then doing everything from a personal level but from a, a work level also online um, does change things. Um, you know, definitely there's, there's people out there that have then been forced to to do and use various tools online that they would never have thought of nor used. Um, prior to the pandemic. And one part of this reset phase is asking, what do we want to keep and what do we want to get rid of? And what services should be brought back as digital only? Uh, I wanted to get your thoughts on that. And I guess it's especially important. This this morning I saw in The Guardian, there's a big report saying 
Local authorities are facing a £20 billion black hole as they encounter spiraling costs, whilst revenue, revenue streams such as parking charges are, are sort of drying up amidst all this. It seems like a big... They're facing a hell of a challenge financially there. And I guess that just makes it more important, the question, you know, what, what do we want to keep? What do we want to get rid of? I just wanted to get your thoughts on that. There is a, there's a definite feel um, across local authorities that certain services um, are no longer necessarily needed to be to be brought back. Um, at Socketim at the minute, we're gathering um, a lot of data around this. We've got, you know, there's a lot of positives that have actually come out of this. Um, as well, um, and, and how local authorities um, have, have worked tirelessly to implement services, solutions that were on the roadmap for a, a lot longer period. Um, it, you know, it's been, it's been tremendous. And I think that, you know, I think linking with how we then sort of need to identify, get rid of, and, and keep. And linking with what Socketim are doing, I think flexible working, improved productivity, and, and working life balance, and um, that virtual remote meetings, and there was a lot around the collaboration platforms um, in, in the early stages, um, and also around the, the leadership and management of this. But obviously, from a remote perspective, um, I think the one thing that <clears throat> that is, and I think that does need. The continues the collaboration between local authority and community groups. That's something that has increased significantly during this period, um, and is one that, that is of huge importance to, to, to continue forward. Especially as, as working from home is, is now is what we're showing now as the new normal. Um, you know, with with offices um, to be used only really as and when as and when needed. Um, we have we have seen people and heard about potential people looking at those office buildings. What you know, what is required of it? Is it is the whole building still required? Just an element of it. Um, everything is becoming online. Um, and I think one one final one there on the on the keeping side of things is the virtual support for children um, is is proving very successful. Um, and I think that there's a lot there's a lot of areas um, when when local authorities um, and, and the wider sector when when this reset reform and recover piece starts to starts to evolve, there's going to be a lot more that obviously we're then going to be keeping. But, but quite rightly touching upon your point uh, regards of what was in the Guardian this morning, I think there's there's no need there's no more need for cash payments um, at, at any uh, local authority level. Obviously, there's no I'm going to be further queuing any reception offices. Uh, the, the travel, this unnecessary travel is not going to be required anymore. So that's going to that's going to bring bring that down. And and the, the plus side of that is obviously going to improve that productivity. Uh, paper based invoices and things like that that can all go online. And I think telephone payments is one that's been recently um, identified as well. So. It's now looking at what we can then put online to keep looking at these solutions um, and enable remote working um, as we as we move forward. Of the of the services that have worked well during the crisis, so you mentioned some of those like round child services that that have worked tremendously well. I, I was wondering if there's any 
You might have seen any such other services that may just need a bit of service redesign and iteration and then could sort of have a, a valuable role to play permanently, or is it mainly the child services that you've, you've identified at the moment? I think, you know, and that, that, that's a really good question, especially from a, a soft standpoint as well. Service design and transformation is a key, um, it's one of the key five policy areas um, of soft at the minute. Um, and what what we have seen, and, and um, it is, it, it's available further um, on our website, is around the good news stories that's, that's been developed. The, the feel within uh, what has been achieved during this pandemic um, is remarkable um, from, from all levels um, of local authorities. And we've, we've collated the stories on there. Um, and I think that you know, the, the one thing we need to do is adopt that user-centered design um, and agile ways of working. Um, and obviously with that, we'll, you will sort of further develop the techniques but it will also help identify any school gaps potentially that they need to be looked into. Um, and then that will enable the, the, the further effective use um, of the data. So better better use of the data, um, sharing that information and the integration into key services to ensure that the design um, is, is fully evidenced, fully documented, um, and I think that's a, a good example from what we've seen that's been out there at the minute around the vulnerable and shielded people systems. The, the pressures, the pressures on local authority following the the, the government putting uh, going into lockdown is that the, the citizens and the, and with the councils have to then develop um, and also implement systems around that vulnerable and shielded people, and then ensure that. They they are contacted if there's anything they need that it's passed on to the relevant the relevant areas and that that links obviously quite well with the, the volunteering. There's been a lot of volunteering that comes on the back of this. So I think that the the socially uh, and integrated care across um, across the board really um, is going to need design and, and that whole consideration um, around what is then able to be offered from a virtual capacity. The other question I wanted to touch on is something that we actually covered in, in the last podcast. Accessibility is something that's still incredibly important, uh, especially now, actually, where, you know, people really need to be able to access some vital services. And sometimes the only way they can do it is, is online. Do, do you think there's enough focus being paid here? You know, Amidst, we've seen people have to spin up services uh, and put up content very, very quickly just by the necessity of the crazy situation we find ourselves in. Do you think accessibility is, is still front of mind amongst amongst the councils? Yeah, no, I think, I think for sure, I think that it's definitely front of mind. Um, I think the, the areas of focus there is that the deadline um, for, for, the, for the testing is, is still remains as, as the 23rd of September. Um, and so I think Sox Tim, for example, are helping further support this uh, this area um, around the website accessibility testing um, in partnership uh, in partnership with Silkside at the minute. Um, but I think that there's definitely a need for um, for emphasis to, to to look into this across more more citizens um, around the access services to be more remotely, um, for example. But 
I think one thing this pandemic has illustrated is how accessibility is not just websites. Um, it's across the whole. It's across the whole spectrum, um, and the engagement by different groups um, in the society. So I think that there is there is definite from you know from from people spinning up solutions and and services very very quickly. Although that is obviously still seen as a as a positive, definitely um, as they see it in the back of their mind that the accessibility is still something that needs to be focused on because that deadline isn't isn't moving. Um, and I know that there's a, a, a good number of authorities already, um, you know, achieving um, achieving results, um, but I still I, I, there's still uh, still a way to go. Um, and I think the one thing that the, the soft team have got at the minute out there is the um, ICT digital impact survey um, for our COVID nineteen survey. Um, there's currently one thousand one hundred and fifteen people as of this morning that's responded um, to the survey across the UK um, and major cities of Europe. So um, there's, there's a, a great effort, um, a great effort in there. There's work that we've done around um, planting the flag. So, you know, not just not just covering within the UK, but extensively worldwide. And again, this links back to the point um, in, the, in the first question around the um, Reset, reform, and recover. This is this is in place to help aid achieving better outcomes for for the local um, authorities and services. So, I think accessibility will always be underpinned under all of this, um, and I think further further positives will come out of this um, as we move forward and closer to the deadline. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. One one of the things with with accessibility, I'm trying to get to the um, to the heart of is. The motivation for um, ensuring this stuff. So, for example, I know that the law is is, is nothing's changing. It's still well, it is changing. Uh, what I mean to say is the pandemic isn't pushing that back the the September deadline for this stuff. Yeah. Um, and I wondered when speaking to Braintree, I was asking like, what is the motivation? Because from my um, from my understanding, there's the the carrot for this this stuff meeting these regulations, but not necessarily the stick, right? So there's not um, if, if if councils fail to meet these regulations, I'm str- struggling to understand what would be the implications for them beyond perhaps being seen not in a very positive light if that that news came out. And I guess one of the things Braintree said, well, at, well, firstly, accessibility is so important because it just makes the website and the experience so much better for everybody across the board. So for that alone, yeah. that, that is a big motivation for accessibility. And I wondered whether, just just quickly, whether you see the motivations, what motivations you see at play. I guess I guess councils also don't want to be left behind or be seen to be left behind in this in this uh, in this endeavour to make things more accessible. Is that is that kind of is that right? Is a a friendly competition amongst uh, amongst peers, do you think? Um, I, again, I think it's the the one thing that that has happened is there's a been a, there's been a lot more collaboration um, across boundaries, um, and it's bringing more and more service uh, public services, local authorities, um, healthcare, everything. It's bringing it's bringing more and more. Um, into how do we, how can we help each other? What are we doing? What are the positives and, and, and how this has been achieved? So I think that you know accessibility has always been there. Obviously, there's that there's that deadline on this now, um, but I think that it all depends on 
the I think the level of the, of the council. Obviously, you know you've got the there's the resource side of things, but then you've got that larger and, and smaller local authorities, for example, um, and everybody is still having to deliver, um, and it's got to be seen to be delivering the, the solutions and, and keeping keeping everything going um, day in day out. And I think it's just ensuring that then the the priorities are there in order for them to then help and look down this accessibility. I don't think it's necessarily more of a, of a competition. I think it's more around now it's this collaboration and, and how we can bring this together. And that brings us to the, the final point, really, the final question. And you've touched on this quite a bit. So it's the what we've seen, and it sounds like what you've seen as well, is this increased willingness to collaborate and help uh, across the board with, with councils throughout, especially throughout this, we've seen it, you know, really accelerate uh, over this over this uh, bizarre period. Presumably, that's something you, you fully encourage to, to keep happening. Most definitely, yes. I think you know the the collaboration across the boundaries has been phenomenal. Um, you know, from sharing what's been what's gone well, what could be done differently, um, and as we um, discussed earlier, you know, what don't we want to go back to? I think regional collaboration has significantly increased. Um, for example, the use of video conferencing technologies um, across council meetings, both um, internal and for, for public meetings, has increased. Um, and also systems for um, locating the, the vulnerable people and ensuring that, that they get access to everything that they, they need during this pandemic and, and moving forward. So the, that bringing... Bringing in line with that, obviously, there was a system there for registering the volunteers. And um, so that was a, an increase. So there's there's definitely a lot of positives. And I think that's where the sharing of the success stories and case studies um, has been extremely positive um, from a soccer team point of view. So as I, as I touched upon earlier, we're, we've got that on our website. Um, people are more than happy to, to, to go on there and that's getting updated regularly. And I think that People looking at that, people can help potentially gain insight into actually we're looking at this. How, how did you develop that one so quickly and, and really, really help? And I think that's where that collaboration um, and closer collaboration and data sharing um, comes in. And I think we've also seen um, a huge partner, um, partner and supplier community um, around, um, around health around the, the care and ecosystems around this um, and just in general, the offerings and, uh, and the support. And I think the, the, from a soccer team perspective, we've been working tirelessly with the support of, um, of our partners and, and supplier community and other agencies. So, for example, LGA, FHCLG, Lottie, SIPA. Um, we've, we've been working tirelessly across um with all those agencies to look at the lessons learned to, to help publicise guidelines, whether they've been um, in partnership or in, initiated, and we're making sure that that information is shared across um, the, the, the councils and the wider public sector. Um, so I think that for sure the councils are now going to come out of this um, in a very, very um, positive way. Um, and it's obviously this crisis, what this crisis has shown um, is the true grit and determination and 
what can be achieved within local local councils. 